Welcome to RCS. I'm Dan. And I'm Nick. How's it going, man? Eh, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Did you know that there is a certain way to put a dirt bike up on a stand and there is a wrong way to do that? <laughs> and that if you go down, this is, of course, a hypothetical situation and has nothing to do with the fact of why I'm wearing shorts today and with a giant Band-Aid on my knee. If you warm up a motorcycle, per se, and then you try to lift it up onto the stand by the wrong side, the exhaust will melt the tip of your knee off. That's so, true. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, that's it's not the Carter Subaru tip of the week, but it is a lesson that was learned by a friend of mine this week. So, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry for your friend. Well, he can't wear pants right now, so he's... Uh, he <laughs> Doesn't tried. usually. He t- well, no, I mean, it's cold <laughs> enough that he should be wearing pants, but yeah, so that's why he's a little limpy today. So, yeah. Also, um, he had to end up shaving his knee so the Band-Aid would stick. I mean, I, this guy's an idiot, but yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, so there's, but yeah, so he, he's hoping to be able to stop limping soon. So yeah, but jeans are not what you want on top of a bandaid. He says, (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't told Dan that story. (laughs) No, he's so used to me seeing some, this person in shorts, um, that, uh, yeah. Well, I was like, well, I saw you in shorts today. I was like, it's a little cold, but whatever. Maybe you just came from the house. You're not going anywhere. It's extremely cold no matter where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. So. Or he said, I, my, my friend, you got to stick to the story if I'm going to get it right. Yeah. So, yeah. How are you? Better now. <laughs> <laughs> things are good. Things are very busy, but things are good. We're getting ready for our Avance event this weekend, of course, where I will be cooking up some hot dogs. You guys should come down and check that out. But speaking of Avance, we're brought to you by them yes. and Carter Automotive Group. I would say Drivers Club, but nope. That's Haggerty Garage and Social where we're recording at this evening. And of course, Haggerty Insurance. Salvo Design, York Real Estate, and Griot's Garage, RCS10, which if you heard our bonus episode, you should be using that code a lot. A lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. So I chased down a weird problem in a car this week. Really weird one, actually. It's the first time for me I've ever seen this problem. Uh, yeah, that, that doesn't happen very often. I'm, I'm, I'm inquisitive, and also I'm trying to plan every joke that's coming after this, so continue. Well, so. thought it was a bad belt. I was getting a, a weird squealing at low idle, like it would... Idle would drop. Your truck? No, no, oh. the Audi actually. Oh, okay. And uh, I was like, that is really weird. But it popped the hood, no belt squeal. Could not figure it out. There's like a little bit of scoring on the belt, but I think that was from like when a tiny piece of gravel got between a pulley and a belt. No damage to the belt. It's fine. Dealer said it was fine. Dealer was chasing it down, trying to diagnose it, trying to diagnose it. Turns out it wasn't coming from the motor at all. It was coming from the interior. And it wasn't coming from anywhere in the interior. It was coming from the speakers. And it was directly related to the automatic start power draw, and a wireless charger. Oh. So what it was, was the wireless field from the charging head, which was in the Audi, is directly re- located in front of the MMI screen, just a little bit below it. And It's, it's built into the car? No. Or the one you put in there? We've added an uh, automatic charger, a wireless charger. Yeah. So just pick up the iPhone, drop it on the wireless charger, yeah, no problem. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Really, really popular option. It's actually a great magnetic wireless option in a vehicle if you want to do a wireless mount holds the phone steady not so much on the big ones it does but it you need to have a special case anyway point being took a lot to figure it out it was like how do i repro these steps over and over and over again and then it was the faint memory of high school and not having proper grounding and stereos and hearing that whine, oh, okay. but it didn't quite sound like that sound a little different so, so the pad was the magnetic field was affecting the speaker is affecting the audio 
um, at low idle, the power would drop. Because, you know, at idle, you're, the more you rev, your, your power kind of stabilizes with your alternator. You get more power as you rev. Your up. electrical power. Is what electrical power. Yeah. Like, okay. So it's like in an old school vehicle with a lot with a lot of lights that weren't LED, you literally would rev it up and get a hair brighter. If, we all yeah. remember, if you're oh, old yeah, enough to remember that, that. Yeah. that was a thing back in the day. And I was yeah. like vaguely, vaguely remembering, like, what does this remind me of? Where has this happened to it's me like, before? Yeah, where is this happening? Like, why do I vaguely remember this sound and this noise? It well, it's wasn't like quite... when you turn on your stereo and you had an amp and then your headlights would dim. Yep. yep. And it didn't have any dimming. wasn't affecting the idle, but it was directly related to the automatic start-stop. When it would go into turn off, that's when you hear the noise because the, then everything shut down. Okay. So now that I've learned this, and because the Audi A3 and S3 are extremely popular cars with really only one good mount, which is that dead center spot, if you do this and you hear this noise, that's why. And it was a nightmare to diagnose, but as soon as I just immediately pulled the plug, sound stops. <laughs> and so now I'm trying a different mount with like different magnetic, uh, like a shielding on the backing of it to try and get it to stop me from interfering. Or I can disable, I could technically permanently disable start stop going in and doing some tuning. I, I, I've got the, so I've got the iPhone and I've got the MagSafe. I've got that Belkin one that clipped, mm-hmm. and goes into my vent. Really nice one. And then I just ran, I ran a cord. It's, I've, I've hidden a cord in my dash that runs back to the USB and plugs right in for power. Yeah, so this plugs into the USB. But is right your right. actual mount what's charging it? Because I actually yeah. have a cable I plug into it every time. It, the mount just holds it there. No, this, this wirelessly charges it. Oh, okay. And it's the okay. wireless charging is what it is. It's, you can plug got it in it. via cable, no problem. Well, that's but what I was saying. Maybe like the Belkin one. In fact, she doesn't listen to this, but that's what my mom's getting for Christmas. She doesn't even know it. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, anyway, if you hear a weird, strange electrical sound, if you are doing a wireless charger in your car, it's something to be aware of in the placement. I'm sure, I guarantee this will not be the only time this happens. Sure. Anytime you can put an issue like that out there, and the more we see wireless charging, magnetic fields, things like that, that's a weird thing to diagnose, but it's a thing. Magnets, how do they work? <laughs> <laughs> who knows? I'm <laughs> just kidding. They're yeah. from the aliens, so who knows? Yeah, and I, th- I thought this is awfully specific to be a Carter Subaru tip of the week, but uh, when you're hearing weird noises like that, like I said, as we see more and more everything moving to wireless charging, it's just a weird thing to be aware of. And there's, I think it may have to do more with the placement of where it's at than anything else. Like, There's a lot of cars that come factory with wireless charging, usually down below in the console. But if you're like us and you want your phone up where you can actually see it, which sort of defeats the purpose of having CarPlay, which doesn't work that well anyway. Uh, yeah. Well, you just, that was a whole list of things right there. Yeah, <laughs> I can just keep going there. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, if you, weird diagnosis, but just something to be aware of as you try it. Uh, I wish I had the opportunity. Now I'm, now I'm just like moving the mount around to seeing where it does it doesn't do it in the car. Mm-hmm. But man, what a first, right? We got to learn, right? Yeah, yeah, so that's a fun one. Magnetic fields, watch out for them with electrical equipment. They're hard to see. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we have an interesting guest this week uh, by request. And by popular demand, which I have seen, and I'm excited to have on the show. Richard and Loris, uh, welcome to the show. You may know them more by their vehicle because they put that out there more than their own names. It took me a while to figure it out, honestly. I knew the car way before them. Uh, yeah. In fact, when you sent me the initial article, I was like, um, well, who are these people? Who's Otis? <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> which one of them is Otis? I'm like, yeah, I don't either. <laughs> don't call her Otis. I learned that one. Though. <laughs> Jeez, I'll tell you. That is a very popular uh, thing I've heard, though. Mm-hmm. It's who's Otis? And, and then they put it together. If you've yes. read PCA or Spiel, or I think it's in Spiel you've been in, right? Yeah. I've, I've, I've read several PCA articles, and especially the Northwest chapter, or you've read coverage in the Alcan 5000, another big popular one, or anywhere there's Porsche's Renless. No. You probably have heard of Otis Porsche, and that is actually the name of their Cayenne at this time, right? Yes, yeah. yes, it is. When we built it, we didn't really build it for 
We built it for function. We didn't build it to get notoriety or, or anything like that. It was uh, a result of a lot of experience that we had previous to buying the Cayenne. We had an interest, both of us, in taking long trips. When we first met, I had a trip that was uh, over 5,000 miles planned, and Dolores and I hadn't known each other that long. Well, I told her, look, you know, if you want to come along, come along. And she decided, yes, but. And the but was, I had an Audi Fox, and she had an RX-7. Oh, wow. She said, I will go on this trip if we take the RX-7. Okay, now, I, I want to talk about this, because you and I were talking, and, and Dolores were talking about this a little bit as we were walking around. You got in trouble for buying that, that, that Fox before you even were introduced to her, correct? You had the option to buy, you were thinking about buying a BMW 2002 or this, and, and she disagrees with the buying of the Fox, I hear? Exactly. <laughs> I didn't know you could get in trouble for something before you know somebody, but I, it seems, you know, that's the way it works. Has no love for the Audi Fox. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, as being a BMW guy, I get the 2002, uh, the beautiful car. So, I mean, great car, though. They're fast. I mean, you, you, you used yeah. it. To, nope, you, it got you the bar in time, so then you had to buy drinks, right? Exactly. There you go. That's all that matters, right? So. <laughs> no, this is... RX-7, not exactly the peak, the pinnacle of reliability. Well, no, yes, it was. It was? For us. For you, okay. Dolores, I've learned. No, no, Dolores is a type person that I've learned that if you tell her you must do this, she will do it. Ah. And she was told you need to religiously check your oil, you need to religiously change your oil, and she did everything that she was told. And the car was great. So we went ahead and piled all of our camping gear, because this was a camping trip, okay. from Bossier City, Louisiana, up to Quebec City in Canada for the uh, 450th anniversary of Cartier discovering the St. Lawrence. And then up around Maine, all down through the fishing villages on the uh, eastern coast, New York City, Baltimore, and then back down to Bossier. And one thing I didn't think thoroughly, uh, carefully on this trip was it was her car and we had just met. And if Oh, you had the Fox, she had the RX-7. She I had the RX-7. Okay. Right. So it was her car and if things did not work out, realized we had just met, I She was going home a, with an RX-7 I would you were taking a, the bus. I would have <laughs> a long walk, <laughs> walk home. Yeah, exactly. With all that camping gear. Yeah. But it did work out and uh, we've been taking long trips, you know, ever since. When was that trip, out of curiosity? Uh, that was 84. 84? Oh, wow. Okay. 1984. Yeah. And okay. we've been tent camping since and, and sleeping on the ground and still our tent camping, even with Otis. So that got us into the long, you know, long travels. Then we came around to, uh, after that, we, let, me, let me go ahead and switch to Dolores. Sure. Okay, sure. Yeah, let's hear what Doris has to say about this. The trip to Canada was great. We had a good time and eventually got married. How long did you guys know each other when you had this? Uh, when was a month? A month, so, wow. So you, not only did you convince her to go on this trip, you convinced her to take her car. Well, she convinced you to take her car. But, I mean, that's, like, I, I just met you. I want to take you on a trip, and I want to put 5,000 miles on your car. Right. That's, that's trusting. I like it. I mean, it's, it obviously worked, so. <laughs> you didn't see the Audi Fox. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, it was that, boy, there is some hatred for that, but okay. That I is funny. Uh, I, like what you, I want to start real quick. I like what you, you guys pointed out earlier is that with the RX-7. Notoriously unreliable, but mainly because of the owners. Sure. And until the third gen, where they just became unreliable because of Mazda, the first series of those were actually really good, but 
like you pointed out, it was because the owners didn't understand add oil to the car and they naturally burn oil. That's yeah. part of the rotary design. And so nobody did that. So they broke all the time. And it was a really tough market for Mazda as a result of that. This right. was 79, so it's one of the first models to come into the country. Very cool, yeah. It was very cool. So we had a good time there, and we, we went camping. Now, my family's history of camping is not good. It was <laughs> like, I got to camp, huh? Oh, well, I guess that's will be okay. So He's pretty, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's going to pay for a lot of things. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I get to drive my car, take his stuff, and if I don't want him, I get to put him out in the middle of nowhere. That's right. Exactly. He lives in Canada now. <laughs> so <laughs> we get married, we moved to Texas. And um, I decided to get a degree in horticulture. So I'm driving, I totaled the, the RX-7. And so um, I got a 323 Mazda sedan. Okay. So I decided if I'm going to be a quasi-horticulturist, I need an SUV. And back then, this was, oh, late 80s. SUVs were not popular, and they were still built on truck frames. Yeah, like the Blazers and things like that. Well, I got a a Montero. Oh, Oh, Mitsubishi Montero. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Those were actually good ones back then. Yeah, They were great. So I could haul stuff. Yeah. And I decided I was going to go out and buy it myself. This is in Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs> so, uh, you'll not, never take the simple route, do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I. You're from the south. You know better. <laughs> Go get it. But uh, you know, southern ladies are supposed to be charming and Absolutely. not have issues. Absolutely. I'd like an SUV, please. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. anyway, um, so I went and got all of my paperwork done. The, Credit union had me approved and all this kind of stuff. So then I go from dealership to dealership to dealership, most of which said, are you waiting for your husband? Oh. At which point I just said goodbye. And no, I the went. last guy said that I shot him. <laughs> oh, anyway, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. what was really funny, I go to a Jeep dealer and the salesman is a one-armed salesman and he's going to show me how good Jeeps are. And so he drives me up a set of concrete steps. And it went up, but it wasn't exactly what I had in mind doing yeah. with the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's just so you didn't around. know what you were looking for. You eventually bought them on the Mitsubishi, but you were you were shopping I all kinds shop- of SUVs. Okay, and, and basically, I wanted to talk to somebody that was willing to talk to me. Fair enough. So um, I finally managed to pick one out and. I found out that the salesman had been an FAA traffic controller who got fired in 81. And at the time, I was working for the FAA. So This isn't the one-armed guy, though? No, this oh, okay, is not gotcha. the one-armed okay, guy. Okay, I see. Working, working with someone with two arms. Got it. Okay, yeah. understood. This is the fellow that was at the Montero dealership. Ah. So I, told, I went home, told Richard I'd picked my car out, and he said he wanted to see it. Well, it was at the end of the runway where Carswell Air Force Base was. And at the time, Richard was in the military, and he knew that the planes were dropping fuel in that area. And we had had some hailstorms with some pretty good hail. So he said, and I couldn't see over the roof because... You know, I'm vertically challenged. And so... That's some good information that you wouldn't think about, like a, a dealership at the end of a runway. Like, it might have a few things on it. Yeah, as far as fuel and things. Okay. So he looks, he said, let's look at the roof. And he looked at the roof and it, 
it had been damaged. It had hail damage on it. So I told them, I had worked for a car dealership, so I knew BS when they were telling me that. And they said, well, you sign this paper, and so you have to buy the car. And I said, no, I don't have to buy anything. Thank you very much. And we went over to Dallas together, and we found the same deal, no hail damage, no runways, and we bought this Mitsubishi Montero. And we started going down to Big Bend, and that's where we started going off-road. Yeah. It was great. It was wonderful. We took it to all kinds of super-duper places. and That was an area that we think is truly, truly underappreciated. It's absolutely beautiful down mm-hmm. there. Now, where's Big Bend? It's like 230-some miles southeast of the New Mexico line. Okay. So it's that area that's down in Texas on the Rio Grande. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah the hump. That was a big bend. big bend. Ha, okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, I spent time in Lubbock and Roswell. I should probably know that area, but okay. <laughs> no, not necessarily. Okay. Um, but it, so that's actually where we started. And the car was great. It, 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 it just was one of those it never did anything wrong it never had any damage to it to speak of and we actually brought it out here when we moved out here in 97 and when I went to register it the state of Washington actually said it was worth more than I had paid for it new Washington shocking yes so that when I had to pay for my license was considerably more expensive than Texas. I think Texas was like six dollars. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, and it ran for two hundred and seventeen thousand miles, and it died in our driveway. The water pump went out, and I think it was integral to integral to the the engine. But that's where you want a car to die. Is yeah, in no driveway. kidding. Short yeah. walk. It's a short walk home. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> so that was the end of our going off-road for several, several years. Had you modified that at all when you guys were... So, I mean, it, it was out of the box. You you, took, you drove it off the, the lot and just played with it all the time, and 200 and some thousand miles of water pump went out. Right. Well, I mean, it's a pretty good, that's a pretty yeah, good story. That's pretty good. Okay. Right. Yeah. So that's when it was the beginning of our off-roading together. Mm-hmm. I, I miss that car to this day. We have friends that still have... They have two... Because they use one for parts <laughs> and one to take off-road when it runs. Imagine that. Yeah, okay. So anyway, so that works out. I hear really the water well. pumps can go out on them, so you got to So careful. do I, <laughs> yeah. And um, so we, that's, we got a BMW station wagon then. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, huge, I'm a huge BMW guy. Yes, I, I, BMW BMW I, would, I would give you this one. I see. <laughs> okay. So it was the eight-cylinder um, station wagon, E39. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And every spring, instead of a robin, we would get this message from the car saying, check coolant level. Yeah, I've seen that on mine. That went all the way up. I think it still happens on BMWs, even on my 2005. Yeah. So, yeah. We were would, we would hoping that the part that they replaced it with, which was typically the radiator, would last long enough that it would still be under warranty when it broke the next time. Which is good when, you, when it comes to BMW parts and labor. So, right. yeah. So after that was sent to heaven. Um, so you guys weren't doing any off-roading? You just sort of stopped when the, when the Mitch yeah. died? Okay. Took so w- we talked about yeah. what we wanted to get. We decided that we wanted to get another SUV. And there was a rumor that Porsche was going to... Um, have a diesel model. Yeah. And then 
And the reason it's called Otis is we did buy one, is that when it was coming over, it, we they told us, you know, follow your ship and all these yeah. sort of things. And uh, it came in in San Diego, and it was there. And we're thinking, oh, good, we're going to have it like in a week. Well, we mm. didn't. And didn't have it in two weeks and didn't have it in three weeks. And Richard went ahead and looked online, and none of the paperwork had been done as far as customs and carb reports and things like that. So it sat on the dock of the bay wasting our time away. And we named it after Otis, Otis Red. sitting on the dock of the, the bay. bay. Okay. <laughs> Let's take our first break. I love break. that. And when we come back, I want to get. I want to go back a little bit um, with you guys and kind of talk about where you came from a little bit first. Okay. Yep. Yeah. We'll be right back. We spend an average of eight hours and forty-one minutes a day facing screens, laptops, smartphones, tablets, even digital refrigerators. But what are we really connected to? Isn't it time you connected to something greater? Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty for people who love cars. And we're back. Kind of what we always like to do on the show is we kind of like to, to know where people came from. I always call it my Hot Wheels question, like, you know, where you a car kid is. But where did you grow up? Where did you, where, where'd you come from? Actually, Vermont. Vermont, okay. And actually on our trip to... Uh, Quebec, one of the routes that is, uh, I think, one of the best driving roads on, in the country is Route 100 in Vermont, and okay. it just goes up all through the mountains and what have you. Yeah. But, uh, and this is, that's your homeland, then. You, you yeah. knew that area really well. So. Yes. And so you grew up there, and then you went into the Air Force, correct? Right. Okay. Uh, graduating at the time frame that I did, most males were given an option, actually not given an option, but we're given a uh, free paid vacation to Southeast Asia. Oh, yes. I, yep. oh that time zone. Okay, I got you. Yep. Yeah, some, a warmer climate. <laughs> I decided that I uh, would, you know, I had no, I wasn't objecting to go, but I wanted to go on my terms, which was as a pilot in the Air Force. Okay. And that's the route that I took, which then meant going to college. So that then uh, decision time came from. It's cold in Vermont, and uh, I would rather be in a warmer climb and away from my parents. Okay. <laughs> so I had relatives in the East Coast and the West Coast, and I decided Texas was in the middle. Let's do that. And, That'll uh, work, yeah. yeah. Went to school there. Um, still, you know, camped and, and still loved the outdoors at that time, uh, but... Uh, and you yeah, were in the that, Air Force, correct? Uh, went to school in Texas yeah. and then went up to Champaign-Urbana for, you know, for additional school. And okay. then uh, while I was in the Air Force, they sent me to school up there, you know, then uh, came back to Texas. Nice. What were you, what were you flying in the Air Force? Uh, actually, I, f- I flew uh, T-33s. Okay. Then, uh, you know, as well, well, the Cessna training that they start you out with. And as we're going through, I never got to go to the advanced pilot school because the war was winding down. So that was a good news, bad news. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's bad that you don't get to learn to fly. That's good news. You don't have to fly over there. Yes. But yeah. I didn't go to college to get out of serving. I wanted to serve and figured, heck, I'd go and work aircraft maintenance as a maintenance officer. Like and airframe and power plant kind of thing? Uh, airframe power plant. Okay. And after serving in the Air Force, I did get my airframe license. I, okay. I didn't get my power plant. But that led me into, uh, you know, my career in engineering and aerospace. And Now, before we get to her background, when you guys met, you had a pretty interesting job, right? I mean, the reason, what did she say that, you know, she could trust you? What were you doing at that time? 
Well, I was assigned to one of three places in North America where if a nuclear war was going to be conducted, we would be the second place of choice that would conduct that activity. And Dolores, working on base, knew that if I had access to that area, that I probably had some security clearances and background checks that would absolve me of being an axe murderer. That's, and yeah, they're not going to let the people... I mean, so, just so we're clear, to clarify, he had his hand over the button. He knew where the buttons were if, if we needed to, so... But, uh, yeah, so that is how we met. Yeah, and then you guys went on the trip. I want to hear a little bit about Dolores' background as well here. I also want to say this. It was Dolores' birthday this week, so happy birthday. Yes. Thank you very yes. much. I guess it'll be... When this comes out, it was Dolores' birthday last week, but right. still happy birthday, yes. so... Thank you. Yeah. My background. Yeah, a little yeah. bit on... Yeah. First of all, I'd like to add, I knew he wasn't an axe murderer, but I also knew he was capable of putting the, an end to civilization as oh, we know. Oh, well, I mean, those are, th- uh, on Even a dating profile these days, that, that stands out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not willing to kill five people, entire countries, maybe. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. so I was, I'm actually originally from Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. And there's not a lot of camping in Baltimore. No. <laughs> Well, there's camping. a ton of people sleeping on the street in Baltimore right now. <laughs> well, probably. Yeah, no so, yeah. Yeah. so, my father was an amateur wrestler with the Baltimore YMCA. And so, they had some Olympic athletes on the team and sort of thing. They would get together every summer and go down to Ocean City, Maryland and go camping. So, that was my introduction to camping. Okay. It was awful. big fan huh at the time yeah yeah. i mean you're in the middle of sand and it's getting in the tent and you're in one of those big canvas tents and the food is awful and it was like everybody's trying to wrestle everybody (laughs) no dogs and cats no rooftop tents no rooftop tents okay yeah Yeah. Yeah. so it was kind of like i'll be so glad when i'm old enough where i don't have to do this anymore so this is when you were a child this is when i was a child okay so I'm 14 years old, and my father works for Olin Matheson Chemical Corporation, and they have an aluminum plant in Gulfport, Mississippi. And he gets transferred to Gulfport, Mississippi. Okay. But I stay down south for something like 36 years. I lived in St. Pete part of the time in Florida. I lived in Panama City, Florida for about 12 years. Gulfport, Mississippi, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, New Orleans. When I met Richard, I had been down there quite some time. And it was interesting because, you know, he was from Vermont and New York, and there I was in Gulfport, Mississippi. So now he'll go, do you remember when such and such happened? And did you see this movie? You know, I was in a town at the time that had 20,000 people in it. They didn't show the kind of movies they showed in New York and that sort of thing. So I started college down there. I actually went to finishing school one year. Ooh. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you know which side the fork goes on on the plate. Yeah, okay. And I know to cut my hamburger into I see. I didn't even know that. I, don't, yeah. I just <laughs> eat, I eat it into two. It's easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's much easier. So, yeah. so anyway, um, I... The, the following year, I went to uh, University of Southern Mississippi for about two years, and I was just playing around. I didn't really want to go to school, but my parents decided I should do that. And eventually, my father said, well, you're not taking this seriously, <laughs> <laughs> so you can go to work now. So I was back in Baltimore for about a year, went back to Hattiesburg that summer and got a job with the English department and moved back down south again and just stay down there after that 
And um, at the time that I met Richard, I had gone to work for the Air Force as a civilian employee in in uh, human resources. And uh, he... Oh, she knew more about you than you even knew. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he was in the military. I, no, c- I, could, <laughs> I could look into folders for people that were civilians. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. Fair. <laughs> but not his. Okay. And so that's actually how we met when we bumped into each other uh, on base and we Pretty you, much been together ever since. And you had a fun sports car, and uh, off on the adventure you went. Off we went. Okay. Yeah. So that's the background there. Well, how, I, how, how did he ask you out, or did you ask him out? No, he asked me out, but it was really funny. My name was Dolores Rogers at the time. Okay. Um, there are not a lot of people named Dolores anywhere anymore. Um, and he said, I couldn't remember what your name was to call you. I thought, well, you could just walk over to civilian personnel. I mean, that's where I work. He knew that. So it was about a month before he called me. And I turned him down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all car. because of that fox. Yeah, huh? I saw his car. <laughs> I was like, nah. Yeah, I so, it. <laughs> so the next time he called me, um, I went out with him. And was that Coy Anastasi? He took me to see a movie. Koi Anastasi, if you've not seen it, it has, it's world out of control is the, what the title is. There's no dialogue whatsoever, and Philip Glass did the music. And Oh, uh, he wasn't going to watch the movie. Come on. <laughs> Come on, you know. So it it's was, not was, in English. Well, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that was kind of fun. I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. And then the second date, he took me to a rodeo. That's fun, too. It was fun, and it was not my first rodeo. I had been to the Snake River Stampede okay. in, in Idaho. She's been waiting for that line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then after that, we went to see Ray Wiley Hubbard, who's one of the, the Texas troubadours, and that yeah. was fun. So cool. I, it was nice and rounded, and he had a lot of interest, and I had a lot of interest. So. Sounds like you guys have a lot of fun doing interesting things from the beginning. It seems right. to be a theme right off the bat with you two. I yeah. would love to find somebody that I've met after a month and been like, hey, want to go on a giant road trip? You did that, though, kind of. You did that, Dan. You did that. I mean, so, it's yeah. kind of my thing. Yeah. <laughs> Never do it with me. <laughs> no. Taking you on lots of nice road trips. I know now. you have. <laughs> and I felt pretty at the end. So. <laughs> well, I mean, I, it, it's important. I want to kind of go back up to this. So you ordered one of the first diesels to, to hit the, yeah. the country, right? Yeah. Going along with the theme of uh, doing interesting things, when we talked about going off-road, we intended, knowing that we were going to be retiring uh, in the not-too-distant future, to uh, go ahead and spend a couple of years down in South America, Central America, and go ahead and tour down there. Not just cool. for you know a week or a month, but spend a couple of years down there. Live down there, yeah. And I didn't do my research properly. Um, it can happen. I wanted to... Get a diesel, because I figured that would be something that would be a good thing to have if you're going to be doing extended overland travel. And this is and this is before you were looking at Porsche, or you just knew you wanted a diesel? Or? We wanted a diesel. Okay. And uh, so uh, what was on our horizon is here in Seattle, there was a uh, V10, uh, V10 Touareg. Yeah. And they had been doing very well on the, the uh, Dakar races. They were winning. And I yeah. figured that would be, you know, a, a good vehicle to consider. Well, we got a call saying that uh, for the 2012 New York Auto Show, Porsche was going to be bringing over a diesel to hold on. It, was ju- it hadn't been officially announced, but to hold on. And were you Porsche fans before this? Like, did you yes, own any we Porsches? were. Okay. We, when we were living in Delaware, 
uh, when the Boxster first came out. Mm-hmm. We went on down to the dealer, and it was on a Sunday. One fellow at the dealership, and the dealership's uh, owner's wife had a Boxster that she had just ordered. It was brand new sitting there. And he was busy. He had appointments. So he threw us the keys to her Boxster and said, have it back before we close. <laughs> well, we... Uh, what day? Like tomorrow closing or <laughs> Tuesday? Or, yeah. yeah. So there are quite a few DuPont estates in Delaware. That's where they're from. And through the um, uh, Hackerty estate, uh, where they made the gunpowder. Uh, ah, okay. Uh, yes. okay. Yeah, yeah. We went and, uh, and took it, and we were driving spiritedly. Kind of thought the Boxster was a fun car. Well, we came on out here. And Dolores worked with a fellow that he would work five tens to get Fridays off so that he could do what he really wanted, was to be a Porsche mechanic on Fridays. And okay. We had the, you know, the Boxer experience, and he said, before you so do you drove it, but it, you didn't buy one. We didn't buy one. We, okay. we, we drove it there. We came out here, and he said, uh, you know, before you do something rash and buy a Boxster, why don't you try a 911? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, we did, fell in love, and we bought an 86 new-to-us Targo, white with a linen interior. Loved the car until I totaled it. Oops. Then we were avid autocrossers with that up at Bremerton. And RS Americas seemed to be doing better than most of the other cars, including the water uh, cooled up there. That's a nice car. I was looking for a steering wheel, actually, because we having a custom car interior later on when you want to buy parts for the interior make it difficult. And I found an RS America for sale in Leshi. And huh. the deal was the fellow did not want to sell it, he had just, they had just had a kid, and his wife said, you are getting a car that has a rear seat. We know he didn't want to sell it because he kept in touch with us for years afterwards and did it. So we still have the RS America without a sunroof. Nice. So, uh, getting one, they didn't, there are not many with the sunroof delete, but, that, but ours is a sunroof delete. Say you and John Clevin and I think maybe one or two other people I know. Maybe. That's it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we still have that and enjoy it. I know which car Dolores has driven because when she has a smile ear to ear, she <laughs> took the RS out. Nice. But we got the call that there was potential for a diesel to come to the New York Auto Show. And then not long after that, we got another call. And they said that uh, this fellow named Jan Kalmer had his Cayenne diesel from Europe. And it was spending time in Seattle. And we're invited to go and take a look at it. So that was uh, really... What year was this? Uh, this was 2012. 2012, okay. Well, I'm trying to remember when those came really out. Really early, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah this was early. They, 2013 was the first year... For for this country, for the diesel, but they were made in the rest of the world from, I believe, 20, uh, 2009. I love that original body, like and 12, 13, yeah. the bigger yeah. one. So, such yeah. a pretty car. Well, Still is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I knew of Jan Kalmer from that. I looked up, and he had done things with his Cayenne diesel, like setting the world speed record driving from Norway all through Europe, the Middle East, all through Africa, to the tip of South Africa. Okay. And he did this over 10,800 miles, and he did that in a little over nine days. Huh. He and two, uh, and two others. Now, he, the record that he beat was by Rainier Zentlow, who had set the previous record in a uh, Tureg diesel. Oh. <laughs> so Jan went on, and he took his car from there. He drove. I'm trying to figure out how you even... Like, 
the reason I say this yeah. is I, I literally just finished this week watching Long Way Down. And it took them 85 days to go from the top of Scotland to the bottom, <laughs> like on bikes. <laughs> yeah. And, well, they were taking and, their time. But. Well, but, st- but still, I mean, the speed-wise and, and, and punishment-wise, wow, nine days. That's fast <laughs> Africa. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, he had done other things with the same Cayenne. Drivetrain is stock. Uh, the vehicle is essentially stock, except for skid plates and such that you would need for something like that. And how they sold them in Europe first, right? When did yes. they start selling them in Europe? 2009. 2009. Nine? Okay. Yeah. yeah, nine. Okay. Took the same Cayenne and wanted to see how fast he could drive the coastline of Australia. I've always wanted to do that. Why not? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Took the same Cayenne and entered a rally that went from Spain through the Sahara on down to Dakar. And uh, anyhow, he's, he, I figured, okay, if you're going to do this kind of stuff, there must be something to a Cayenne diesel. Yeah, yeah. And so we stopped looking at some of the other more traditional uh, rigs to go and do this and settled on the, the Cayenne diesel. We kept our stock except for... Uh, body armor, and uh, we took base. We we uh, skewed off of Jan's uh, Cayenne, and so it seems like he did all the testing for you. So good move, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at that time, uh, aftermarket for Cayennes, and not just yeah. diesels, but for Cayennes, was non-existent. Yeah. And uh, what was your destination? Our destination was uh, South America. Just anywhere in South, or you were going to tour around South America, right? For, okay, okay, for, I get you. You know, for okay. years. Okay. And, the realization that we have ultra low sulfur diesel and they don't hit us real hard, and um, we're restricted to most of North America okay. um, to, to go ahead and drive. But we found, uh, after being associated with uh, the car community, we went ahead and searched out and asked, "Where would you go to get stuff made, you know, custom for the car?" Every single person said, "You need to go to J and L." You need to talk to Louie and Dan and get the stuff done right. Sure. I love it when they give you first names because then you really know. <laughs> it's not like just go to these guys, go to this company. It's no, go talk to these two guys. You're like, okay. Well, Don't okay. talk to anybody but this two guys. <laughs> yeah. 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 Going down to, you know, to J&L, seeing the, uh, you know, the known race cars, the F1 type cars, you know, that are down there, didn't think that he would be interested in a uh, – you know, pedestrian Cayenne, but no one had done it before. And Louis was just so gracious and the people down there so wonderful to help us out with the uh, skid plates and the bush bar and, and such. And then we drove around for a while like that and we wanted to do a little bit more. So we had come acquainted with Cantrell's. Oh yeah. Can't go wrong there. And so Colin put together a roll bar for us uh, where we mount an internal uh, winch and put skid plates together and adapted the rear wheel carrier. You know, just did a lot of good work, you know, with that. Cantrell, you can't go wrong with them. I yeah. mean, they're yeah. incredible. Yeah. And another thing that, that Cantrell did was uh, he put on some rock sliders that... Oh. Did they make them custom for you? Yeah, or everyth- okay. everything was custom. I wonder if that was Keith. When was it this? It had to have been. Yes. Keith Northrup? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Keith <laughs> built everything in here, like all the yeah. wine racks and every, most everything. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. We yeah. understand that. Yeah. He, we've had him on the show. His Northrup trip. Fab, yeah. 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 Northrup Fab is, I tell everybody, he's like, if you, got no, if you want it done right, right, <laughs> and you have the time, <laughs> Keith's the guy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I believe it was Keith, you know, to do that. Then uh, one other thing that we needed was proper lighting. 
Oh, yeah. And uh, we went to an event. Gosh, we've been out there for probably, gone out there for eight years now. The Northwest Overland Rally. Yeah. Yeah. We've been going there. The next off, uh, it was uh, announced with uh, by Ray Heil, and I went ahead and contacted him the other day. And in Plain, Washington, June 16th through 18th will be the next uh, Northwest Overland Rally. And I was going to go in 2020. Yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> I think that, we, we kind of planned it. it was, but yeah. Yeah, so, if anybody's an off-roader or even just an overlanding enthusiast, it's, it's really like... It's such an amazing thing. You're going to see so much and meet great people. So highly recommend yeah. it. Thank you for mentioning that. It's uh, and when we first showed up there, we had a cayenne, and it was uh, kind of like, oh uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are <But> you lost? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the community was wonderful. Yeah. I mean, we we learned so much. I mean, there's uh, there's people like we were buying from from Joe and Dana from the Mule when they were selling out of their garage. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, we've had them on the show. And I'll see them this weekend, yeah. Yeah, they were helpful. And then for the lights, uh, at the time, early days, the uh, Turtec rally was held in conjunction with the uh, Overlanders. You can and thank Touratech for the Washington and the backcountry overland discovery route. That's Touratech was really who did all that, all yes. the backcountry routes. They're right. very significant. I love them. So we got to talking with a fellow there who makes Cyclops lights. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've heard of him. Yeah. And Daryl is down there. What were you doing with the car at this time? I mean, you, you obviously, you couldn't take it to South America because of the diesel issue. Right. But you were taking it out and doing and, and, and testing these things, correct? You knew. Yes. What, you mean, there's, there's one way to find out if you need rock sliders is to take it out <laughs> and crack something. <laughs> like, we've all done it. Like, I should have had rock sliders or, I'm, yeah. boy, I'm glad I put rock sliders on this kind of thing. Well, one of the things, that, you know, that you bring that up is uh, Michael Smith. Oh, yeah. We know Michael very well. Yeah. yeah. He, John Davis, uh, Amy Hopkins uh, were an off-road crew that we went ahead and did stuff to go ahead and take our baby steps with. And we learned a lot from that to go ahead and uh, see what the car can do. You know, we went on from, you know, from there. We've got a, just a wonderful community of people that are up here. Uh, you know, Ben Powell that you know from, uh, you know, Avance. Having Random Ben Powell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he hasn't seen it yet. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, he, he actually, will. Actually, you can talk about it now. Because he won't, he'll see it this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Very limited, but yes. <laughs> That's what happens at Thanksgiving when I'm like, I have an idea. <laughs> and Dan goes, I already ordered him. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. We have to be so, careful because we didn't want to make a political statement. We no, just thought no, it was no, funny. No, no. Yeah, we made no, no. a shirt that says, let's go Brandon. Brandon ben Powell. Powell. <laughs> <laughs> let's go Brandon. <laughs> so, yes. I mean, and I have to say, and I know it's happened. So you guys are up in the middle of the wilderness. I mean, how many people have seen you coming around the bend and they're in their Jeep, they're stuck, and you're going by them in a diesel Porsche and they're just like, wait a minute. And you're comfortable. You're warm. <laughs> You've got lovely satellite radio and, and, and GPS and probably the best of the best. Yeah. Having heated seats, a heating steering wheel, and then one thing on a washboard road that is absolutely wonderful. On the dash, there is a button that says comfort. <laughs> yeah, Jeeps don't have that. It's all squishy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yes, airing down, but hitting that comfort you know, button and, and, adjust, and having the shocks adjust. And being in comfort. And being in comfort. Yes. Yeah. It's been an amazing vehicle, and we just love the heck out of it. But, well, yes, going down the road and seeing somebody, it's uh, somewhat – it's happened quite a, more times than, uh, than I ever thought. We didn't build Otis to be – we built it for function. We built it for what we want to do, and people seem to like it. 
So we were down in Portland. Somebody did a spotted picture. Oh, look what I found. Well, on Facebook, somebody said, oh, that's Otis and tagged us. We went to Moab. The same thing happened. Somebody took a picture and, oh, we got tagged there and we got <laughs> tagged in Idaho. And uh, so, you know, it's... Uh, we didn't do it for the gram, if you will. We don't do Instagram, and, 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 and we don't do a lot of social media, you know, at all. We're just doing what we want to do for our fun. You're enjoying life. I mean, that's the important thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and just uh, now we are considering doing more four-season camping. Camping in three seasons in a tent is fine, but the fourth season uh, gets a little sketchy. It's cold. <laughs> so we have a trailer on order. Oh, cool. What did you guys end up with? And Well, we went and, and looked around a lot, and there's a company that is in the same uh, office park as, and I get these two confused, there's Earth Roamer and Earth Cruiser. I forget which one is in Bend, but in that same... I think it's Cruiser because Roamer's... No, I don't know. I'm gonna look. Real now you got out. me confused. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But anyhow, in that same park is a company called Overkill Campers. Okay, I like the name already. Yeah, they have two that are uh, that they make two uh, versions: a TK and SO, or their slide out. Okay. So if you can picture a five by ten box, the side bumps out like these high dollar RVs. So you've got a queen size bed. Then that mm-hmm. opens up all the room on the inside. On the back, it flips up. There's a whole pantry. Camp, uh, you know, camp stove, sink, 32 gallons of water. Got over 280 watts of solar on the top. Two battle-born 100-amp batteries. 3,000-watt inverter. It just goes on and on and on with a stick in this 5x10 box. And what is it sitting on, like, platform-wise, suspension-wise? Because I'm assuming that's going to make it available to go anywhere. It's got timber and suspension. Okay. There you go. No wood. It's all structural foam inside of it so it's lightweight it's got the rock and roll hitch it, it just ticks all the boxes oh, very cool and, yeah and you guys are having this built to your specifications yes okay so we were concerned we've re- there's a company that rents them mm. and out of bend as well we've rented one twice once just to go to a state park to see if it's anything that we would want then the second one was we took it to moab okay and we spent two weeks in moab now what's a good test down in moab with a trailer the Schaefer switchbacks. Yeah, I was going to say. You get hairpin turns and a 19% grade. Yeah. Is the Cayenne going to play nice with this trailer? And it was wonderful. Great. It was <laughs> super. How many miles do you have on the Cayenne now? Two, over 220,000. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Principally off-road miles. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not your daily, is it? Yeah, it is, is too. Daily? Is it it daily? is too. Okay. And uh, but you know, around town we don't we take transit quite a bit. We're fortunate in that we've got the bus stops right in front of the house that goes right to light rail. And you I'm know. sure that's a tough decision when you walk into your garage and see the RS America and the kind. Of, <laughs> do I want to take the bus today? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. But uh, I'll pass it over to Dolores to talk about a a, a Moab experience. Yeah, Moab was really interesting. There is a Facebook group that got together on Facebook for several months and they decided they should all meet each other. And they came from Oklahoma, Colorado, Washington, Utah. This is Cayenne owners then or Porsche owners? No, 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 no. There were lots of Jeep owners. There was like 16, 18 people. 
families, that sort of thing. No, we were the only Kai. We're usually the only Kai <laughs> in there because the the local Porsche club doesn't really support going off road. Uh. So we decided this would be really a fun trip, and so we left here and we went to Twin Falls and we camped at one of the the hip camps. They're sort of like an Airbnb, except they're people. This was a farm, Mm -hmm. and they have a facility there. You sleep in your own tent or whatever. Mm -hmm. Then they typically provide electricity, and that's about it. Just a place to stop that you know is safe and designated. Yeah, okay. And what was really fun about this place is she had kittens (laughs) 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 that were oozing in and out. We. It was like, it was really fun. Um, Unless you're deathly allergic, but other than that, you get yeah. great time. <laughs> <laughs> so, and she was really very very nice. So we we spent one night there, and then we stayed at Palisades in Bend. It's about thirty forty miles. This is when you rented the trailer, correct? This is when we got the trailer okay, okay. in yeah, Bend. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so Palisades is amazing. It really is. You. And the Palisades, of course, are the cliffs that surround this park. And to get to it, you you go down and down and down, and then you cross a bridge and go up and up and up. And um, it's a lovely spot. And so we've stayed there uh, several times on our way down to Ben. And then once we we left Ben and went to Twin Falls, we got to the area where we were. It was a group camp um, on Forest Service lands. Of, with the group that got together. And this was such a fun group. And the fellow that organized it when we were sitting around the campfire, because apparently you can have campfires there without any trouble at all, in September. The, you don't know until you light one. <laughs> <laughs> true, yeah. So uh, he said, we can talk about anything except politics or religion. And that was it. So everybody got along great. And I like him already. Yeah, yeah. he was cool. And they had several uh, options that we could do, and so we did some off-roading and that sort of thing. So that worked out well, but I really enjoyed the Schaefer switchbacks, partially because I have this idea that if we're going to go over a cliff and it's on Richard's side, I don't have anything to worry about. (laughs) Okay. It's not rational, but it makes me feel a lot better. Oh, you can get out as it's going off, is what you're saying. No, I'm going to die along with him. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. But I, in my mind, I'm like, well, it's on the other person's side. I can just get out of the car. No. Did you guys start from the bottom and go up then? Or did you go down? We got went down. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I went up it and then I went down. Uh, what's the one? Just just the other trail just passed that I went down. But yeah, that's a, that's a harrowing road. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting is they keep the switchbacks fairly level. Yeah. Although there was a car in front of us. It was an Audi, I believe. And um, it, it was just like a station wagon. And, uh-huh. and um, I'm right. making a face. And, yeah, and don't so do that. Richard, they, they had pulled over to take a picture. And so we stopped behind them. And Richard said, uh, are, are you going all the way? And the guy said, well, Facebook said we could. And, I hate yeah. that phrase. And Richard, <laughs> and Richard said, well, do you mind if we pass you and just go on? And we didn't I don't want to be on the recovery team. Can we go <laughs> yeah, ahead of you, exactly. please? Yeah. 
You're pulling the trailer at this time too, right? Yeah, yeah. they were pulling yeah. the trailer. Yeah. And the so the road on the switchbacks, other than the fact that they're switchbacks, is actually in pretty good shape. Yeah. When you get down to that bottom road, that gets really, really rough. And then we went through where the, the potash. Mm-hmm. Right by the potash. We, yeah. we went by there, and we went by Thelma and Louise, the jump-off point. We have pictures of that. And so that was just absolutely wonderful, and we had a great time. But everybody was going to leave on a Sunday, and we hadn't planned on leaving till Monday. So we were looking for a place to camp. And we went into the Moab um, area where they tell you, you know, you can do this or you can do that. And uh, Yeah, they're very helpful there. Yeah. One of the most helpful places I've ever been when you like look, just come look at your vehicle and be like, hey, you can do this, you can do that. You only just bought it for this. <laughs> yeah, right. Really great. Yeah, Dan was just there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. 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 She's there in October. So she, um, she said, well, the, the, um, the ranger had told us at um, Horse, Dead, Dead Horse. Horse. Dead Horse State Park, yeah. Oh, my God, is Isn't that, that beautiful? place wonderful? Yeah. yeah. He had told us that um, there was a, an area to the right when you go up the highway that was uh, something. Chicken, something chicken corners? No, something springs. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. And she said, I wouldn't go there. She said, a lot of people that that are camping they're actually living there so she said you'll take this road um it's the kalinsky well road or kaminsky well road something like that she said take that and just keep going and you'll come to spring point so we said this is good she said i've done it in a sedan why is everybody doing this stuff in sedans? Well, you'd be surprised what people do in sedans and Moab. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we get there. We start. We find where we're supposed to go, and it, we find the well that the CDC built. And um, but the road was rough. It was similar to after you come down the switchbacks. Mm-hmm. It was that sort of terrain, <laughs> and so. We get to this area where there's a bluff. And Richard said, why don't we pull up here? We can look down on the Green River. Mm-hmm. Um, but the road is not not going to be a fun road to go down and stay at the river. So we figured that's okay. Beautiful sunset. Everything's great. <laughs> Middle of the night, there's a windstorm. Now, mm. we're 1,200 feet above the river mm. on an open space. With nothing to protect us. High altitude, nothing. Yeah, okay. So, anyway, uh, the trailer's doing this, and I'm doing this. (laughs) And so... Trailer was uh, moving back and forth. She was praying. Yeah. Visual learners. So, um, anyway, Richard said, well, let's get out of the trailer, and we'll we'll close the bump out, and we should be okay then, because it'll lower the center of gravity in the trailer. Well, that was a little harder than we had anticipated because you had to open the door and then hold the door open and then the 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 bump out is mechanical you mm. don't push a button and so by tr- by the time we would reach for it the wind would blow it back, back out, out. Yeah. so there were several tries to do that and eventually we were um we were successful and Called back, crawled back in the trailer, and it was fine after that. But I kept thinking, you know, we we bid down the switchbacks, we did potash, we did Thelma and Louise, you know, we we did some pretty pretty gnarly trails, and 
we're going to die up here. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to wonder how it happened. happened. Yeah. Did you see that trailer go flying? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Best Wizard of Oz experience, yes. Yeah. But, you know, the next day it was great. Yeah, it's always worth it out there. It's so beautiful at night out oh, there, too. It's gorgeous. I don't recommend doing the off-roading at night out there without a lot of lights. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was one couple that came down and... Um, they were going to go down to the river, but they weren't going to spend the night. They were coming back, but by the time they came back, it was it was dark. Yeah, and uh, but they didn't see. It. They actually knew what they were doing. That Facebook hadn't told them that it was okay. <laughs> yeah, and now the Alcan. Yes, I was going to say this is what I've been dying to hear about. Like you guys have probably heard me say, but dying to the Alcan since I was a kid, and I've got the right vehicle for it now. So, well, then sign up. Oh, I know. Um, we have not done the summer Alcan, we've done the winter Alcan twice. We did it in 2016 and 2020. We actually don't have a lot of interest in doing the summer one. Yeah. I, it's, the, it's the ice and the cold challenge that I really want. Um, you go farther. You know, the summertime, it's the mosquitoes and the heat. And the, the, I have nothing against motorcycles, but there's also a motorcycle contingent. And apparently, they're kind of like herding cats because they go off and do what they want to do and then come back again. Yeah, those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nick. <laughs> so, Hot exhaust pipes. <laughs> so for those people that aren't, that aren't aware of the Alcan 5000, you drive basically 5,000 miles in 10 days. Yeah. One way. Yeah. So, you start in Kirkland, mm-hmm. and you're staying in hotels, and each year it's a different route. And so, the first year, I mean, the first time we did it, which is 2016, we went up the Dalton, which is a, I won't say it's a benign road, but it's not the Dempster. No. And so, um, we had a great time. It was a lot of fun, and you do regularities, time, speed, distance regularities. Part of it, though, is you're driving six or 700 miles a day. Mm-hmm. And people go, how, could, you know, how can you do that? But your adrenaline is there, and the scenery is just so amazingly beautiful most of the time. Um, except when they're whiteouts and blizzards. And then... Um, yeah, that never happens in Alaska. <laughs> no, so, Especially in winter. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed the Dalton. I really did. And you wind up in Anchorage for the start of the Iditarod. Yeah. It's, it's not the true, true start, but right. it's still the start. And for people that haven't seen sled dogs, they don't look anything like a husky. They look like these yappy little... I want to run, I want to run, yeah. I want to run dogs. Just massive balls of energy. Yes. Yeah. I don't know how, they must sedate them when they're not running. I have no idea. <laughs> I think they run them when they're not running. Truthfully, they got them running, yeah. So. And so that's always fun. And then, but the 2020 one started out the same. We went to Criswell, Criswell. Griswell, I think it was the first night, which is what we did then. And then we were on our way to Whitehorse, and we ran into this blizzard over Pink Mountain. And it was like the Star Wars effect. The, the snow is coming toward you. Um, you can't really see where you're going. And so there's posts on either side of the road, and you just ride down the middle of the road and keep the post on either side, hoping that something's 
come down the opposite direction like a fuel truck yeah is not going to run you off the road so one of the participants is from taiwan and he he has he and his family have a lot to do with come up wenches oh cool yeah yeah, yeah. ben yeah, yeah. And so he was so cute. I know cute. of him, sorry. He was so cute. And so we get to Whitehorse and we walk into the motel and he comes up to me. His eyes are just huge. And he goes, is this going to happen again? This doesn't happen in Taiwan. <laughs> and I went, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I love I'm thinking the same thing you are. <laughs> yeah. I love those guys. We talked about them in our um, off-road gear you should buy. We talked about winches, and we have two listed. It's Warren, because obviously right. they're t- tested, but also come up. I don't know any other company who has done, currently is doing as much torture testing as them. And I know Joe and Dana are big supporters of come up winches, and they have been great. So if anybody's curious for another option outside of Warren, come up is a really great brand. It is. Good people, too. Right. Yeah, family-owned business. Yeah, they. So the Alcan always starts in Kirkland and ends in Anchorage, but the route is different. Correct? Not yeah. the summer one. The Not summer. the summer one. No, I'm sorry, the winter one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Typically, and so then um, things were pretty well. And there's an area called the Tombstones that you go through, and we didn't get to see it because we had a whiteout, and so that kind of messed that up. Yeah. But so we get up to Inuit, and then we went up to Tuktoyaktuk. Oh, wow. On the the new road. Yeah, oh, the new road's there now. That's right. Yeah. How is the new road? It's fine. Good. As yeah. long as the weather's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we're in Inuit, and we're gonna, we went up to Tuktiuktuk that morning, and it was, it was amazing to be walking on the Arctic Ocean in the middle, well, the beginning of March. It was, excuse me, it was just beautiful. And so we get back, and we're going to spend the night we think at the beginning of the Dempster, and I'm sitting in the lobby of the hotel because we checked out, and I hear the woman at the, the desk say, "You mean the road is closed at the end of the Dempster because there's a blizzard?" And I'm gone. My mama didn't raise no dumb children, so I went back and I said, "Can we have our room back?" <laughs> yeah. Because they only had, I think, four rooms left. And so we got our room back. And we actually spent that night there and missed the blizzard. But they, so the people in that area where people got stopped actually took them in. And one of them was a church, and they were having a wake. So everybody was invited to the wake. <laughs> Different way of living up there. And apparently it was, it was a party, so everybody had a good time. And uh, then the next day we came back down again, and it was beautiful clear weather all that fresh snow yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah one of the main reasons why the uh, the highway was closed is because the temperatures had sunk down to 40 below mm-hmm. fahrenheit I've been in that it sucks and <laughs> the winds had gone up to 60 miles an hour with a blizzard and that resulted in a wind chill of 90 below. Yeah, no thanks. I've been in that. (laughs) No. So just for the safety of people, (laughs) just for the safety of people, they they go ahead and they close the roads in conditions like that because it's white out and those type conditions. And uh, Eagle Plain is the is the place where people uh, at that end on the north end stop at, and they do have a a place to stay there and then fuel and what have you. It was really really nasty. But coming back from 
the Eagle Plain, we got to go back through the tombstones, and it was sunny, and it was absolutely glorious. It was, uh, you know, beautiful going through there. Like Dolores said, driving 10 hours a day competitively for 10 hours straight in a rally that has an international that is internationally known. In 2016, we had one team that came from South Africa, and we also had a team that came from New Zealand, both driving Porsche 944s. Hey, it's just a wonderful t- uh, experience. People think time, speed, distance, you're doing all speeds at or below the speed limit. What's really to get excited about that? Well, I can say that, and for the Jeep people, they may know of a company called Evo that makes uh, parts. Mel Wade owns Evo. Mel Wade, every year, goes on the Alcan, both summer and winter. Another driver, Lauren Healy, he's an Ultra 4 driver. Yeah. People like that, that are professional, high-speed, off-road drivers, come to this event because it is challenging. And it's challenging both for the vehicles and it's challenging, you know, personally. And you, you want to be prepared. We bring, going off-road, we have six tires and, you know, six wheels and tires and six uh, both for summer and for winter. You know, we do the KO2s for the summer. And uh, right now we've got studded Huckabalitas on. Yeah, that's the way to go. And they really came in handy because one of the fun, of the uh, challenges of the uh, Alcan 5000 is there's always an ice race. And this year, the ice race was on the frozen Yukon River at Dawson City. We passed on getting a sour toe cocktail. Oh, I was going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that. You've read yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we, uh, I made a wrong turn going from you know the town down to the ice. They have a ferry that goes across with a ferry road, and I figured that's the road that, that everybody took. And it looked solid, and it was solid for about, you know, the first third. But then I broke through the crust, and we're down on the rails. So everybody, you know, we're competitors, but in conditions like that, everybody helps everyone else out. To go ahead and have people like Lon Healy and Mel Wade and Mel's daughter, Harley, help you recover, that was... So you broke through the ice? We didn't break. We were not on the river. We were on the road going down to the ice. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. Wait a minute. The crust on the snow is what you fell into. Yeah, on, the yes. crust from the snow. I you fell down okay, to. I was like, "How do you recover from that?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it um, get your scuba gear. No, it was. Uh, th- there's challenges all the way through, and to, everybody's vehicle breaks down at some point for something. No matter how well prepared you think, you know, you think you are on those kind of conditions, you're really testing your vehicle as well. I mean, how did how did the car do with the cold? Because I know. A lot of people that have done that, they use, and Dan knows the term, but basically they block off the radiator so that the heat, you keep some heat in the car and things like that. Well, here's a EPA North American issue. In Europe, Porsche sells a, a heater for the Cayennes, and it's a Webasto heater. Oh, so a block it, heater? So it's an actual block heater yeah. that burns fuel from the main tank, yep. tied into the water jacket, so you then as well heat the engine and it blows warm air into the car, so your car is warm when you get into it in, this, in the cold temperatures. We can't have those here in North America because they exhaust out into the atmosphere. I know you can retrofit them, and I know people who have, right. but they're technically not illegal. Right. Not illegal. Yeah. So, um, so that basically the car is running mm-hmm. all night? Okay. So no, like, no, not all night. No, no, no. no. Well, yeah, basically with the Webasto, the Webasto heater is yeah. running. Yeah, not yeah, the car, though. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. 
So what we have is a heater pad that we stuck on the oil pan and, uh, and go ahead and plug in with that, which it did, mm-hmm. you know, it did help. Uh, with Anything's that. better than nothing. We didn't have to block off the, I don't think, I don't know of anybody that blocked off the radiator, you know, for, uh, you know, for getting extra. But stuffing your vehicle is something that I would think everybody, you know, that goes on this at some point during the, uh, you know, during the rally, you will get yourself where you need to get unstuck. Sure. Sure. Um, And that was our time to go ahead and and do it. But ice racing out there was wonderful. The the regularities were were wonderful. Uh, It's just, is it fun? No, it is not fun. It is an adventure. It isn't. And I don't know if you've seen the little cartoon that's up on, uh, you know, on, uh, on Facebook to where it's a whole line graph to where, you know, did you lose a hand? Yes. You know, did you die? No. No. Okay, then you had an adventure. Yeah. yeah. But did you die? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As the saying goes. You know, so after doing the 2016, both Dolores and I, when we had the opportunity to do 2020, it was like, yes, we're in. And the challenge, I think probably the biggest challenge of the Alcan 5000 is getting an entry in. Yeah. Because how it works is those people that have done the last one, the last night of the rally, they have the opportunity to sign up for the next one, and, and you know, and a, a good number do. Like Mel Wade, he's going to be in, uh, you know, in Kirkland for the start of the summer one. He just he does that, uh, and a lot of others do. But there are a lot of other rallies that are around in the Northwest, and we've got a really active community up here, both in Washington State and in BC. There's one rally that's uh, we missed it. Uh, Principally because of the uh, of the floods up in Cache Creek. Yeah, I was going to say, poor Canada right now. It's um, so the uh, the totem rally was canceled. But uh, in the beginning of February, if you get on the Rally BC webpage, there's a rally that is amazing. It's called the Thunderbird Rally. Did you guys have any trouble in 2020 coming back into the United States? Like, it, it seems like you guys were just, you were up there when all this crap was starting to hit. Well, how, they, the villages, the, uh, uh, the First Nations people were shutting down right behind us. Okay, yeah. And what we did is after driving all that uh, and getting to Anchorage, we shipped our car home. Oh, okay. And uh, we, uh, we went and... Uh, I think we. Have, I think Trevor did that too, didn't he, Dan? He was up there at the same time. He may have, yeah. Yeah, he, he, did. Yeah, he did. That's he right. That's home. right. Yeah. He had yeah. the same problems. That's right. Yeah. Thanks to an airline that flies Jerry Garcia on the tail, we came home. Oh, I see. Okay, got <laughs> it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and did that. We shipped the car with a company that uh, I think now is really tied into, uh, you know, to the Alcan Rally, you know, family-owned company that does absolutely wonderful. Ship it right down to Kent, secure facility. Nice. And it really it, it worked out well. was boated or flown down? They truck it down because of the ice and what have you oh, during, okay. the, uh, during the wind. Uh, you know. But you have cars that are like Mel Wade in his Jeep. It was very well prepared, as you expect. And, you know, we did the best we could with ours. It's not what the vehicle is. TSD Rally is about precision driving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not about going fast. It's about following the route and following the speeds that you're supposed to go. Yes. For instance... There's the problem I'd have. <laughs> right. <laughs> I could get there first. What do you mean I'm penalized? <laughs> if the speed limit is 35, they may tell you to do 32. Boo. No. They know when you start. 
you know when you start, yeah. and they know when you, but you don't know where you're going to be time hacked in the middle. Uh, and that's where they get you. I was going to say, because Nick could just be doing, and I'd be doing circles at the end. Whee! <laughs> <laughs> well, like we were talking with what's her name last week. I'm, I'm like, if I saw the time thing, I'd just slow down. <laughs> <laughs> so to, I know it wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> to, to bring that point really home, the vehicle that won the 2020 Winter Alcan was a 1973 Capri. <laughs> That's awesome. A 1973 Capri. Let that sink in. That is not what I expected. Not what I would <laughs> want my coffin to be. Because <laughs> um, well, they're, they're talking about these snowstorms. I'm like, I, I mean, I'd be uncomfortable in the Porsche. I mean, I'd be comfortable in the Porsche, but, you know. Yeah. 73 it's Capri, so. I'd be going, oh, God, we're going to die. You know, Thunderbird is coming up in February, and then the group that is more local here is uh, the Rainier Autosports Club, and uh, getting on their webpage, they have a, a rally uh, called Raindrop, mm. huh. and it's for somebody that is a complete, total novice that hasn't done this type of driving event before. And I believe... Uh, Dan and I are more dewdrops than raindrops, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I believe if this comes off, because, you know, even with COVID winding down a bit, it's still presenting challenges that uh, there's a potential for it to come up in uh, the beginning of May, and it's looking like it will be uh, a route that will go around Whidbey Island. Oh, that would be fun. Interesting. I guess we enjoy the scenery more than we... Uh, <laughs> are you guys, are you guys uh, both driving on these things? Too? No, Dolores navigates and I drive. Okay. Oh, that's but why you get places on time. I get it. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really challenging to follow the directions, and it's more challenging to follow the speed limits, particularly with the Cayenne, because our speedometer is off by three miles per hour plus 5%. Oh, yeah. I would, yeah, I guess you'd go standalone GPS. I mean, no, no, well, it depends on what, what class you're in. Oh, if right. If you're seated yeah. the pants, you have pencil paper. And, you know, you can go all the way up. Some people are very serious about this. You think about it when you turn, your outside wheels are turning more than what your inside wheels are. Right. They will have all four wheels instrumented, multiple computers running. And, I mean, that, we don't do that. <laughs> like, that's a lot of math. I want to do that. <laughs> but Yeah, uh, I'd have to take my shoes off. It, you know, count to 20, <laughs> it would suck. Yeah. So. But it's, uh, it's a fun sport and beautiful. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. that's why I drive. I drive to explore. Doesn't matter what it is, off road or on road. I like to go see every back road I can get my hands on. I want to I want to be in there, get my tires on it. Say, agreed. And another type of driving event that you know that we since we have done ice racing, there's a whole ice racing series that is not far from here. Uh, up in British Columbia, they have Barnes Lake, and if you get on uh, Cars on Ice or they're on MotorsportsReg.com as well. You know they have uh, uh, have races uh, up there. Yeah, that's there's no no shortage of things to do around here. That is for sure. Th there were several things that came to mind while Richard was talking. Number one, we were at Northwest Overland Rally oh, probably four or five years ago, and this young girl came up to us and said, "What do you mean taking a Porsche off road?" <laughs> and I'm sitting there looking at a G wagon. That's like. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I went, well, it's meant to be taken off-road. And she said, you don't take Porsches off-road. And I said, well, what about that G-Wagon? And she said, it's not a Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> Those people are wrong. Yeah. 
So it's like taking a Range Rover off-road, except it'll keep running. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go away mad. Just go away. <laughs> I was at the Center for Urban Horticulture, which is out by U Village, and I, I was in class, and I went out to the parking lot to get something out of Otis, and this guy sort of yells at me and goes, are you Otis's mother? <laughs> and... and I went, yeah, I, I guess I am. That wasn't the end of it. His wife was there. He went, look, look, it's Otis's mother. No, she had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> Why are you yelling at that nice lady getting in her Porsche? <laughs> so, oh, my God, she doesn't take that off-road, does she? Porsches don't go off-road. <laughs> so it was just, so I, I have been known as Otis's mother, which is fine with me because, like, Richard and I, really try and stay out of the limelight and so um my my consider that a thing you should hear what people call us well (laughs) (laughs) my facebook page is eartha eileen it's named after one of our previous afghan hounds so people think my name's Eartha and Richard's name is Otis, which to me looks like American Gothic. We, <laughs> <laughs> we need to stand in front of our huh. Porsche with a, a, a pitchfork. <laughs> you know, that could work. That would actually be really funny, actually. That could really work, yeah. yeah. Visually, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> that would be really funny. Anyway, but anyway, that was my last two cents. I love it. Let's take a quick break. We come back. Uh, we'll finish out here, talk about a little more of the things we're up to, the Avance Off-Road event that uh, you probably should have been at, and we'll be right back. Grandpa, what do you call this thing again? It's a 66 Ford Bronco. I think you got ripped off. Why is that, honey? It's got no Wi-Fi, no USB port, no Bluetooth. Exactly. I guess we'll just have to talk. Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. Is that the window button? It's called a window crank. Cool. The faster I move it, the faster it goes down. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty. Being old is kind of cool, Grandpa. Works for me. For people who love cars. And we're back. Uh, if you guys, by the time you're listening to this, you've already missed the Avance Off-Road event, where I probably cooked a ton of hot dogs, even though I recorded it before that. It could always make... out there with your hot dogs. I know. I'm just. Not... I'm sad I'm not going to be there, to be honest. Yeah. yeah so. They're always fun. Uh, we, we, you could I'm run. sorry I wasn't there. Yeah. yeah sorry yeah. you weren't there. Yeah. That's a, yeah that. <laughs> no, if you were there, uh, if you come to these, uh, that's where I met these two originally. Well, I think we've met in the past before that, but I think that's really where we connected, and that's the main thing. That's, which is a great thing about Avance. One of the things that I love that you guys do, even though you say you keep a low key, you don't do a lot of social media, is that you have really valuable comments in the, in the Avance community. When people post in Avance Off-Road and you guys post up, you guys are both a, I don't know who answers, but it's a wealth of knowledge. And I love that because this is why people join Avance is for this kind of information. If I'm going to go on the Alcan, which I obviously plan to do, guess who I'm going to ask? <laughs> what do I need to do to prepare? And who should I talk to? And who if do I'm I gonna, have to kill to get a spot? Right. <laughs> and chances are, I mean, you guys have been doing this a long time. You probably have been on every road I'm ever going to go on out here, which is fantastic. But uh, there's so many great places up here in BC. Uh, I want to give uh, some thoughts to our Canadian listeners. We have a lot of Canadian listeners. We have a lot of Canadian friends. Some of our closest friends are Canadian. Acquaintances. (laughs) (laughs) You know who you are. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, but a lot of our listeners are from Canada, and we are obviously, we love going up there. It's one of my favorite places to go in the world, even though it's right across the border. Going up into the Canadian Rockies and Banff and Jasper in that area is... I miss Canada. Literally one of my favorite things to do. So thoughts are with you up there. We're sorry for everything you're going through. I know it's tough with all that flooding. Hit you. One of our first trips was up to Canada. Oh, yeah? We uh, have uh, two friends both uh, from the rally community, the time-speed distance rally community and off-road community. And uh, we went up to Vancouver Island. 
But Lots we, of great places. We there. went to the southwestern part of Vancouver Island, which is mainly logging country. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of talk about which radio should I have in my rig. You know, GMRS is catching on now, and uh, FRS, I think, is going yeah. know, more by the wayside, and uh, HAM, of course. But uh, when you're traveling in areas like that, and even in this country, uh, you know, as well in logging country, you have got to have a CB. Mm. And that is the reason you've got to have a CB is that is what the logging trucks use. Yeah. They are, these logging roads are narrow roads. We know that because we drive that when we're the same roads we use. I mean, they're there principally for the loggers. When they've got a full load and they're barreling down that road, they want to know where you are as much as you want to know. Yeah. And they all have signs by the side of the road saying, you know, channel X and then what mile point you're at. And uh, that chatter is critical. Oh. Um, you know, to, to have a, a good CB. So we've, we've got we a CB. We ran into that on Wabner, didn't we? Yep. There was, there was that section that was, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've seen that quite a bit. I saw Idaho BDR more than I saw it on Wabner, but yeah. yeah. We'll see it next year. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ham- that's a, I'm going to recycle that as a Carter Subaru tip of the week. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you guys now I'm going to use it again. <laughs> <laughs> You'll think you've heard it before because you have. <laughs> Ham radio is also critical, we think. We mm-hmm. both have our license. Uh, we would do in the Wabber down in the, in the southern part, uh, and uh, Dolores noted that a couple of valleys over, a wildfire had broken out. And thanks to our ham, we were able to go ahead and uh, and get a call in, and the call actually made it to the Forest Service Station in, in Randall, uh, and, uh, you know, that, hey, you've got a brand new forest fire that has just now broken out which they want to know. Oh, yeah. They want to know quick. Nobody's going to believe that. Some lady named Dolores was up there setting a fire in her Porsche. They're like, Porsches don't go up there. And who names anybody Dolores? (laughs) She's going to get away with it. Especially Dolores with a D-O versus a D-E. Right. I saw that. Exactly. But, um, no, we came on, when we got down to uh, Oregon and came on back up, we stopped in Randall, and uh, they were very appreciative that uh, that we had called that in. But, uh, you know, as far as, you know, putting out advice, uh, when we first did this, uh, quite a few people were saying, we need to monetize Otis, and we need to get on social media, and and we have no interest in doing any kind of monetization. What we wanted, what our goal is, is to try to go ahead and help people with our experiences, our mistakes, and things that we've, uh, that we have found out. Um, And, you know, one thing that, people come on is okay how much of a lift should i get and how big of a light bar should i get well comments that i try to make are take the vehicle as is street tires find an off-road group or go by yourself on a road that is you know a fairly easy off-road to go ahead and take and learn your vehicle and figure out what you want to do mm-hmm there's lots of marketing out there for all kinds of, st- especially now with the overlanding being popular, uh, people coming up with things that you really need a rooftop tent. You can't be an overlander if you don't have a rooftop tent and a light bar. Well, that's, I love mildew. <laughs> that's, not, that's not necessarily so. You need to find out what you want to do and build 
and, and, and acquire what you need to do the tasks you've got. Yeah, and it'll probably change a lot over time, I've noticed. I mean, I've got the rack in my truck, the retracks. It's great stuff, don't get me wrong, but I should have got the canopy to begin with. That's really what I would have been the right build for my truck, and yeah. I'm just going to move it along. But you and I have built many builds, and we've just become... We've done. We we figured out what, I, and we 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 go along that lifeline and the fact that like my Subaru, I started stock, and then I realized I was scraping on a few things, and so I put some suspension. And then I realized I need skid, pl- and I only did the necessities. Believe me, I want to put a winch on the front of that, but I do not need it. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's, I have yet to use my winch, but uh, now the snow's coming down, right? I'm yeah. looking forward to using my winch. You know, getting back on you know some more basic stuff. One thing that we urge people that are wanting to go ahead and uh, color, as I say, color outside those pesky yellow and white lines is to get training. Oh, yeah. There's, there are certified people that, uh, that can train. The Northwest Overland Rally has a lot of training. There's local groups uh, like Mike Block up on Camino Island, uh, you know, has a training yep. uh, thing to learn how to do things properly, especially recovery. Recovery can be a dangerous and can really hurt you if you don't do it right and uh and then having proper gear we we we, and we've done multiple episodes about that especially with brandon ben pal and things like that and that's why we a big part of the avance training and things like that for recovery so we do understand that it's fun for us now and we do we we do i think we do as much recovery as we do off-roading off half the time us off-roading is just finding people and getting them out of the mountain which is usually half yeah. the day but it's fun because it's, it's it's also frustrating for them because we'll go up there and they'll be like oh you're stuck we'll have them out in like five minutes they've been up there for like 10 hours <laughs> <laughs> like, like boy if you just aired down you know from 50 to i don't yeah. know not 50 like not 30 50. they would have yeah. just crawled right out this is the basics but yeah and what you said is exactly one reason we really like this community is that when people are out on the trail it's not everybody helps each other out yeah yeah we agree. We agree. Speaking of helping each other out, what do we have coming up with Avance? Uh, well, it's getting close to Christmas, so of course the end of the month gets very quiet for us. And That's that no is, excuse. Christmas, I know. People need to be... I hope on, you Christmas go play Day. with all your toy stuff yeah, that we told exactly. you to buy uh, yeah. over Christmas. But uh, let's see. Uh, the Saturday the 18th, there's two events going on. There's the Avance Portland launch party. That is Welcome Sherry Harbor DeVos. If you know, if you were an Avance member and down in Portland, or if you're a listener down in Oregon, I highly recommend you check out that group full of great people. She is going to be an awesome leader. I'm excited to have her on board. Heck of a driver. And then speaking of expanding further, Avance Denver, Glen Shelley Open House. Yeah, Glen Shelley Auto Brokers in Erie, Colorado is doing an open house. So those are the last two official Avance events of December, the 11th and, or excuse me, they're both on the 18th. So not a lot in the Northwest past the Avance Off-Road event. Well, there's a lot coming up. Of course, we will be back in January with more off-road events and there's a new article in the works. I know Carl's really busy right now. I yeah. returned his calls. <laughs> he never does. I know. So. If you want to get a hold of these two, though, you can uh, follow Otis Porsche. And just for, do a Google search online for Otis Porsche. You will find them, guaranteed, in many, many places. And tons of pictures. And obviously, you can probably run into them at uh, any Overland event, any Avance Off-Road event. Well, not all of them, but they're, they're around. They're not too hard to find. And you will not miss their car once you've seen it. So yeah. we'll be sure to post photos. Thank you guys for taking time and coming in. I, you know, um, I'm sure you'll be on to the next rally, and we look forward to being out there with you. And thanks for doing it. For this episode of Rain City Supercars, I'm Nick. I'm Dan, and don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.